0: like to talk to us this morning briefly about moments of transition. Jesus had moments of transition. We see them in the scriptures. Obviously, it was a transition for him to leave heaven and uh, Come into the womb of Mary. How many would say that's a huge transition? You have a transition again that you see when he's when he's born. Transition. There was a transition that was noted in the scriptures when he was twelve years old. He was understanding that he wasn't on earth uh, the just the son of Mary and Joseph, but he was understanding that he was the son of his father. It was a transition. He was astounding the teachers of the law who taught this boy all these things. It was a transition. And then you see another transition when he steps out and is baptized by John when he's 30 years old and he begins his ministry. Just after that, he is in the temple and he reads from the book of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me. And and he uh, reads that passage from Isaiah 61 that we have back in the corner back there as a hallmark scripture of this church. It was a transition. And he began his ministry began his ministry for three years, we see another transition when he's in the up, he's, he's in the, the room with the disciples at the Last Supper. And he's, saying, he, he's uh, saying things to them that they didn't understand at the time, and they're like, "Jesus, what are, what are you saying these things for?" But Jesus was transitioning to the cross, focusing on the reason by which he came and then there was another transition when he came out of the tomb hallelujah on the third day nothing to be the same again transition and then there was a transition when he ascended to the right hand of the father and for the last two thousand years has physically been at the right hand of the Father, but sent the Holy Spirit amongst us that we might walk with God even as Jesus walked with God. Transition. And so you see several different moments of transition. Now, some of you have the personality in your life that loves transitions. You love the energy that comes with seasons of change. And things feel a little disheveled for a while. Upheaval is the norm. Things get a little bit chaotic. Things, why? Because things are in a season of transition. Anybody ever do any remodeling in the home in which you were living? Anybody enjoy it? I tell you who does not like it the most, this one right here in the front row. (laughs) Because you can work in the back corner of the house, but the dust will find its way everywhere. And if I did not tape everything off, I am in trouble. Season of transition, moment of transition. You get a new job. And, uh, you, know, you know, some of you have been working the same job for 20, 30 years. And, and really, you, you, it's not your pride and joy. You just go to work every day. But you remember that first day that you went and your heart was like uh, into it and you were like, this is new. This is something new. It was transition. Well, I want to I wanna look at transition in another life. I want to look at transition in the life of Moses. And so turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, where we're going to see the man of God, Moses, transition into a calling of God that he previously had not known. Father, I thank you for this word this morning on seasons and moments of transition. And some of it, Lord, can be applied to our personal, uh, just personal journey and very physical things. We're transitioning from uh, having uh, just being newly married to having a baby in the house. Transition. Some of it, Lord, is is very practical. Then, Lord, there are spiritual moments of transition that you have called us to. I ask, Lord, this morning that you would simply speak to our hearts. And, Lord, in these moments of transition, that you would help us to say yes to all that you are doing in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I go any further and read from the word from Exodus chapter 3, I want to share with you a transition that we are making at Faith Church. Uh, we, we, have been, we announced last July the 4th, 10, or, uh, 14 months ago, that we would be planting a church in Petersburg. Last October, we began at the Riverbank Lodge uh, prayer meetings on Thursday nights, and uh, we have been faithful every single Thursday night. Uh, with the exception of of a couple that we had to cancel from weather and sickness and maybe two or three. But there has been a group of of anywhere from 6 to 12, 14, 15 sometimes people there praying and sewing in uh, to a church plant. Uh, we, We are excited to share with you that the official church council, the elders and the deacons have all uh, uh, felt very good about the next step that we are taking. We are uh, going to be renting a a vacant church. It's small and quaint. It will maybe seat about 60 people. And we are going to be launching Sunday morning services in Petersburg in October. I want to, we want to, We want to share with you that building. If you could go ahead and put the picture of that building up. There it is. That is the new home for Faith Church Petersburg. It's a a beautiful little building. And uh, so, ironically, it is at 401 West Lincoln Street. Um, 401 West Lincoln Street. And so uh, at the end of September, we want to announce right now that the last Sunday in September, we will not be meeting here. We will be asking everybody that possibly can. You can carpool, uh, however you can get there. We're, we're gonna, the last Sunday in September, we're gonna have our tent that's currently up outside for our fish fry yesterday. Uh, we're gonna have that tent up in Hury Park On uh, the last Sunday of September and we're gonna have our Sunday morning service together in Petersburg under that tent reaching out to the community and then the following Sunday we will be meeting in two locations from that Sunday on and uh, so this month we're gonna be uh, taking trips over to uh, to help we've got some work to do on the inside of this facility Uh, I'm not gonna tell a lie There is some work to do. It's not uh, just uh, turnkey, ready to roll. Uh, We've got some cleanup and a little bit of of painting and things like that to do to get ready. And so we'll be doing that. We take possession this Thursday, and uh, we'll have one month to get it ready uh, for a meeting. You know what that is? A season of transition. Well, maybe now you might uh, understand why I'm preaching this message. Thank you, Father. Uh, Praise the Lord. Let's read together. Uh, Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian now let me just give you some background about Moses Moses was raised in the household of Pharaoh but he knew that he was not Egyptian he knew that he was of Hebrew descent his uh, birth was miraculous he should have been slaughtered and killed but his mother put him in a basket and pushed him towards Pharaoh's daughter and Pharaoh's daughter fell in love with him and named him Moses To draw out and so Moses was raised with the finest education he was raised as a son of Pharaoh and had a right to the throne of Egypt imagine that he was part of the line that could have been buried in the big tombs uh, of the pyramids of of Egypt Moses was a, a unique unique individual But because he killed an Egyptian and it became known, Moses fled for his life, thinking that Pharaoh would kill him, which probably would have happened. There was reason for him to flee. And so he came to the land of Midian. You can read about this in chapters 1 and 2. He came to the land of Midian where he met a young lady at a well, and he helped her... uh, in the midst of of men that were mistreating her he helped her water her flock and send her on her way and long story short uh, he became Zipporah's husband and Zipporah became his wife and it was very much an arrangement like uh, like Jacob had marrying Rachel he Jacob worked for Laban, his father-in-law, in in order to marry his daughter, Rachel. Moses worked for Jethro in order to marry his daughter, Zipporah. And so for 40 years, Moses stayed hidden in the land of Midian, tending flock, raising a family. He had a son uh, named Gershom which means foreigner. And he said, I've been living in a foreign land. For 40 years, he did the same thing, took care of the flocks, raised his family. And one day, after 40 years in in Midian, he came to Horeb, verse 1, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Although I think that the voice sounded more like Bill's sounded like earlier. Moses, Moses. (laughs) Wasn't that a great word about the love of the Father? Praise God. Praise God here I am Moses said and and God said do not draw near this place take your sandals off from your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground and then the Lord said I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God and the Lord said I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt You shall serve God on this mountain. I want to pause right there and talk a little bit about transition. This became a moment of transition. Moses was not planning on this moment of transition. Has anybody had a moment of transition that you did not plan for? You were surprised one day how, maybe you said something like this, how could God allow this to happen to me today? Perhaps you were surprised by getting a positive pregnancy test that you weren't planning on. And your life was never the same because of a transition. Moses, going about his business, taking care of the sheep, turned aside to look at a strange sight. And because he turned aside, his life is forever changed. The first thing about transitions is that they are often Things that we did not expect or things that we did not plan on. Isn't that right? And these unexpected moments can be big corners that we turn that can come to define our life. Moses was not known primarily for being the wife of Zipporah or the son-in-law of Jethro, the husband of Zipporah. Mix that backwards, turn it around. He was not known for being the husband of Zipporah. What was he known for? He was known for leading the Israelites out of Egypt. This was a moment of transition that was going to define Moses' life. Now, not every transition does that. Not every transition is huge like this, but this is certainly a big transition for Moses. Unexpected, unexpected. In the midst of a transition, here's, here's what uh, the, what what I want you to look for that that Moses Moses perhaps wasn't wasn't really looking for this. He just stumbled into it. But in the midst of transition, we need to lean our ear in to hear what God will say. Amen? You do not need, in the moment of transition, you do not need to begin to make your own judgment calls out of your own good positive thinking. Christianity is much, much more than good, positive thinking. Christianity is not just in line with with other uh, uh, good uh, moral teachers that have given us nice lines. Christianity is a following after Jesus. And in a moment of transition, We need to lean our ear in and we need to listen to what God is saying. Amen? Because I believe that it's easy in a moment of transition, it's easy to miss God in that moment and get your life on a bad trajectory. How many would be honest and say, I've had moments of transition that I went my own way and I paid the price for it? Yeah. Why? Because you did not listen to what God was saying. We need ears to hear what the Lord is saying and a heart. And and you say, Well, how do I hear from God? Well, let me let me just just tell you this: that if you have a heart and if you have a concern to do what God wants you to do, and you take the time to pray and say, God, will you speak to me? I want to tell you that if you do that, God will make sure that you get the right direction. You might wonder, did I hear the voice of God? Did I not hear the voice of God? But that very heart inside of you that says, I want to follow the Lord and what God wants me to do, will will God will see that and he will make sure that you get down the right road. Amen? That's a heart that God is looking for. That's the heart of a Follower, somebody that's following Jesus is looking for what God would say. Praise the Lord! And so Moses has an encounter with God. He's listening to what God is speaking to him. Uh, and uh, Moses, I find it interesting that in his his uh, his conversation here with the Lord, that he is incredibly honest but that he is just, just very not trustworthy that God is making a good decision. And so he says to the Lord in verse 13, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey." And then they will heed your voice and you shall come and the elders of Israel and the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we might sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after... That he will let you go and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed but every woman shall ask of her neighbor namely of her who dwells near her house articles of silver articles of gold and clothing and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters so you shall plunder the Egyptians and uh, chapter 4 verse 1 and then Moses answered and said But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. During moments of transition, uh, those are moments that fear and intimidation and doubt try to creep in. And we begin to say things like, Has God really called me to this? You think that I have not asked God that question as far as a church plant is concerned in the midst of pastoring? Has God really called me to this? The drives over, I've been over to Petersburg probably a hundred times in the last year, maybe not quite that many, maybe 60 or 70 different times, uh, and uh, driven over there and, and my thoughts will wander. God, are you really calling me to this? And I read the story of Moses and I say, Moses, you don't, you don't, what's wrong with you? But then I get in a situation and I do the same thing. And I say, God, why are you choosing me for this assignment? And so during seasons of transition, we are often Vulnerable to doubt and fear and questions and saying, God, are you really sure that you know what you're doing? And I assure you this morning, God knows what he is doing. Hallelujah. And so he says, to the Lord, but what if they don't believe me? I'm, I'm putting my own inflection into that. Or listen to my voice. The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, and aren't you glad that in our doubt and in our fear, God does not abandon us. And so in a moment of transition, you can be totally honest with God. You can be totally honest with how you feel, with what you're thinking. You know, God knows what you're going to say before you say it. You don't have to worry should I say this to God? He cares about where you're at. Now we're going to see here down a little while, uh, down in a little while, God kind of took Moses and shook him a little bit and said, "Come on. but He can handle how you're feeling. You think the God that created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them gets nervous about what you're about to say? He knows you inside and out. And he knows Moses better than Moses knew himself. Moses thought he was just watching sheep for 40 years, but God was preparing him for an assignment that was transitioning on this day in this moment. Some of you don't, under, don't, don't even know what God's prepared for you. And isn't that what the New Testament has said? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. He has something prepared for you. Amen? And so you can think, well, I'm, I'm an assistant at the eye doctor. I take phone calls. I make, but you're faithful to that God is preparing you, Candace. I'm speaking this out. He's preparing you for something that he is going to transition you into. Praise the Lord. You think you're just taking care of sheep. You just think you're going about your business. But God is about to transition you. You're just day after day after day after day doing the same old thing, being faithful with what God has given to you, but God has an assignment for you. Oh, praise God. I'm speaking to somebody here this morning. Praise God. What if they don't believe me, Lord? What if they don't believe me? What's that in your hand? A rod? This is The rod that Moses tended the sheep with, shepherd's rod. It was a rod that he beat off the enemies with. He killed snakes with it in the wilderness. This was the rod that he walked with for years. I went to a museum in Turkey, and they had a little stick. It was about this long. And the label under it said the rod of Moses <laughs> it, it was a lie it was not the truth <laughs> when I saw that I just laughed they're just trying to get tourists in here the rod of Moses there it is it's that long <laughs> uh, cast it on the ground So Moses cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Friends, God is not so concerned, especially during moments of transition, with you being comfortable. I'm not comfortable with this, God. God does not care about you being comfortable. Here Moses is running from a, from a from probably what was a poisonous snake. And he's running and he's running and then the voice of the Lord breaks breaks through to him and says Moses stop. Pick that serpent up by the tail. Well, anybody here knows If you're going to pick a snake up, you don't pick it up by the tail. You know what can happen if you pick it up by the tail? Moses picks it up by the tail. And it becomes a rod again in his hand. And he begins to show Moses, to convince Moses that the authority that is God-given to Moses is going to carry him all the way through. Moses, in this very short moment, is learning a lot of things about God that are going to carry him. Can I tell you that the authority of the cross... See, the cross is a place for us to come and be forgiven. We're going to celebrate communion here in just a few moments. But the cross is more than just a place for you to come and be forgiven. The cross is a place of transition in your life. The old things are gone. The new has come. The cross is becomes, as you walk with Jesus, the cross becomes a symbol in your life of authority. It becomes a symbol of your, in your life of you exercising the authority of God in the assignment that God has given to you. Hallelujah. Pick up the rod, Moses. And he picks it up. And that rod becomes the very thing that chapters later that... That, uh, that, that at the end of this story, that Moses stretches out over the Red Sea. And that rod, that rod, uh, as he's holding that rod of authority out over the Red Sea, the winds begin to blow. And one one side of water moves to this side and the other to that side. And as the wind blows and as the wind blows and Moses stands there with the rod of God held out over the, the sea, a way is made for two million Israelites to cross and get away. From the Egyptians, hallelujah. The rod of authority. The cross in our lives. Oh, don't you love the cross, hallelujah. It's the cross that's brought you near to the Lord. It's the cross as you embrace it. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And as you embrace the cross, you begin to walk into the authority that God has for you. Praise God. Praise God. Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. And then it will be, if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, that they might believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you should take water from the river, pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. And then Moses said again, oh God, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since have spoken, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And I, uh, I want you to know that, that God equips every person that he calls. That's nothing new to most of you. But God gives you every tool that you need in order to accomplish what God is calling you to, amen? And so Moses said, well, there's a tool that I need in order for this to work, and I don't have that tool. And that tool is the ability to speak. I do not have the ability to speak. How many of you, it's your greatest nightmare to come up here in the front of everybody and talk to people? How many of you would say, well, that's my greatest nightmare? I don't know if I believe you, David. (laughs) <laughs> but some of you have your hands raised up and say, yes, that's my greatest nightmare. I do not want to publicly speak. I'm okay behind Facebook. I can type it, and I can just press the send button, but I don't want to get up in front of anybody, and I don't want to speak. Well, Moses was in that same way. I'm not eloquent. I don't have the, the kind of voice for this. I, don't, I, I stutter over my words. I don't say, I, I don't say the, right, the right right, right th- thing. But God says, Moses, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at your inability. You're looking at your inability. But if you'll look at me, you'll see that in me, you have everything you need. You're telling me you can't speak. But I made the mouth. I created it. I gave you a voice. Moses, if you'll learn to trust in me, I'll give you everything that you need. I want to give praise to the Lord right now for a very specific thing. Right now, um, this Petersburg church plan, the Lincoln, the Lincoln church, has not yet paid one dime to see the Petersburg church come forward. The Petersburg church, right now in its account, has $11,000. Not one dime of it came from us. That's amazing, isn't it? It's a sign unto me God is going to give us everything we need. Hallelujah. God is going to equip us with everything that we need in order to see this happen. Praise God. He is doing it. God is doing it. We say, where is it going to come from? How am I ever going to do this? God is going to make a way. Moses, you think you can't speak? I'll make you speak. I'll give you everything that you need. Now Moses is still, uh, and I, uh, uh, Moses yet does not know the Lord like he does several chapters later, okay? And so right now, and, and I find this astounding because who wrote this book? Moses wrote this book. And you know what he's including? He's including all of his own stubbornness and flaw and failure he's not uh, trying to say well I'm this high and mighty person he's even showing us that God was angry with him and frustrated with him and so uh, this conversation is very vulnerable that Moses writes and in verse 13 he says oh my Lord Please send by the hand of whomever else you may want to send. He says, thank you, but no thank you. I appreciate you meeting me here by this bush, Lord. This is kind of cool, but I don't want to do this. You got somebody better. took a picture of the balloons yesterday as they flew over my house. I posted it on Facebook. It was really cool, you know. Five or six of them in the morning. Cami came in and said, the balloons are up. And so I, I ran out there in my pajamas snapping pictures. And somebody posted, oh, that's nothing. You need to come to New Mexico. And you need to see the balloons in New Mexico. And I am sure that the balloons in New Mexico are wonderful and awesome. But I posted, the balloons in New Mexico are not flying over my house. (laughs) What's cool about this is that it is over my house. Sometimes we say, God, you've got somebody better for this assignment. Surely you can call somebody else. There's people that say, well, I, I, can, go to, I can go to a better church. I can go get better preaching, better teaching here or there or, or somewhere else. People drive. I, I know somebody that attends church uh, faithfully online and monthly in person to a church that is about 700 miles away. And my question to, to him is this Is that church trying to reach your city? There's great teaching there. you got to hear this man preach. He's so wonderful. I've grown so much. But is that church trying to reach your city? Is that church trying to reach your region? God hasn't raised anybody else up. God's raised us up. Right? God's called us for such a time as this. What, uh, what Esther, Esther's uncle's name, Mordecai, what Mordecai said to Esther, hey, you can say no if you want to, and God may raise somebody else up, but who knows that God chose you for such a time as this in the kingdom. And Moses is in the land of Midian, and God is choosing him, and he's saying, no, send somebody else. But God is saying, Moses, I chosen you for this assignment. This isn't for somebody else. See in a trans- season of transition and you begin to see how much work it is. And the longer Moses goes on in this conversation, he's thinking, I'm going to get persecuted. I'm going to get rejected. The leaders of Pharaoh, they're going to kill me. He begins to calculate all this. And, and he's thinking about all this, this thing that God's called him to do. And he says, no, I, I sent somebody else. There's somebody better. But God says, I've chosen you. I have chosen you. Season of transition. I don't like this assignment, Lord. It's easy when it's a great assignment. Here in verse 14, when Moses said that, The anger of the Lord kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. It's like he said, Moses, you don't got it. Okay, I'll give you what you want. When he sees you, he's coming. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You speak to him. You put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. <laughs> Here's a solution. But he said, Moses, you're not getting out of this. Okay, I'll give you some help. I'll give you somebody that can speak better than you. But you're not getting out of this assignment. I'm going to speak to you. And then you're going to speak to Aaron. And then Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. I, th- I think in the, the next chapters when it says, and Moses spoke to Pharaoh, I think that Moses actually did speak to Aaron and that Aaron then spoke to Pharaoh and this is how it actually happened. Made things complicated. He shall be your spokesperson. Verse 18, I'm getting ready to close here. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. And then Moses took his wife and sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. I'm going to stop right there. The last thing about transitions is that it affects every area of your life. It affects every area of your life. The transition that you make affects your children. It affects your spouse. It affects your parents. It affects your, it, it affects your church. It affects the people in your life. Moses had to go to Jethro and say, God's called me. To a transition. Let me go. Jethro was involved. Zipporah was involved. Gershom was involved. Moses' family. The whole family got a new assignment. Dennis and Linda, when God called you overseas, it affected your family, it affected your children. When God Moves you to transition. It affects the people around you. Zipporah was all in. Zipporah was all in. Our family's going through transition. Cami just started studying for her master's degree. How many weeks in now? One week. And it and it is already transitioned and three or four times she said what did i get myself into trying to run a coffee shop trying to plan a church trying to lead ministries here uh and getting her master's degree transition just transition in our home and it affects everybody what did you say no pie for me so i need some help i need some help everybody Help me, please. <laughs> hey, she did make me cookies yesterday. And they actually had sugar in them, praise the Lord, actually two, two days ago. Organic sugar, she said. <laughs> so our, our, you know, our lives are in a season of transition. And in the midst of it, God is faithful. Moses said yes, and as a result of him saying yes, two million Israelites were delivered by a mighty hand. I'm not proclaiming that the transition in your life is going to be the the thing that brings revival to the nations. But it matters to a few. As a result of Cami getting her master's degree, people are going to be in the kingdom that weren't previously. As a result of the transition that God is calling you to, he's going to move and he's going to touch people. Thank you, Lord. Can God really ask you to move to Lincoln, Illinois? Amy? He did, didn't he? He transitioned you here for a reason. God's got his hand on your life. Transition. Praise God. He's moving. He's touching. And there are people that will never be the same because you said yes. Will you have questions? Do you feel like you're running in the dark and about to trip all the time? Yeah. Will you make mistakes? Yes. But you keep saying yes. You keep saying yes. And God will do the work. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray, and then we're going to share in communion here. But I want to pray for anybody here that you're in a season of transition, and you know what you need in this season of transition. You need two things. One, you need a heart that will continue to say yes, even when it's difficult. And the other thing that you need is you need a whole lot of grace from God. And if you keep saying yes and looking to Him, guess what? He's going to keep on giving you. He's going to keep on giving you grace. And so who, who here this morning would say, whatever it is, I'm in a season of transition in my life? One, two, any others? Three, four, several? Thank you, thank you. If you're in a season of transition, Uh, I'm not going to have you come down to the front here. I just want you to stand where you are. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray that God will uh, help you keep your eyes on Him, keep saying yes to Him, hear His voice, and receive grace. Hallelujah. So just go ahead and stand where you are right now. And we're going to pray over you in the name of Jesus. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Seasons of transition. And so the rest of you right now, I just want you to pray. I want you to pray over these that are walking through change, that God would give them great grace in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you for each one standing right now. God, I I, I thank you that you are with them. Hallelujah. God, I pray that every transition that's been introduced to them that is not from you will just come to nothing in the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, there's some changes that we just don't need. They're not from you. We do not want those kind of changes in our lives. And so, Lord, even if it's appealing, even if it looks good on the outside, if it is not from you, I pray that it will come to nothing in Jesus' name that the temptation of the enemy will be destroyed. Hallelujah. We thank you that we overcome every temptation as we fasten our eyes upon you. Lord, every transition in people's lives that is from you, I pray, God, this morning... That you would help them to keep their ears leaned in to hear what you are saying oh we thank you father we thank you father we thank you father lord whether it's a, a a a job transition whether it's a family transition a ministry transition a physical location transition god whatever this transition is i pray in jesus name that you would Keep their ear leaned in to hear what you would say. Give them a heart, God, that says, I am after you. I will follow you wherever you lead me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray a whole lot of grace will be poured out a whole lot of grace will be poured out just just go ahead and pray that everybody just pray that over these that are standing right now that they would know the grace the power of god hallelujah they would not just go through this transition on their own god they will know the authority of the cross in their lives in the name of jesus They will know, oh God, that you are with them every step they take, even if it's difficult. God, that they will know in Jesus' name that you are with them, that you have not forsaken them, that you are after their heart, that you are after them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Give them a portion of grace right now. Grace for today to keep saying yes to the Lord in Jesus' name.